Hello and welcome to the next episode of Select Match Type. I'm Simon Cowgill, joined on our journey through these ladder matches by Christopher Ellis. Hi Chris, how are you? I'm very well, Si. How are yourself today? I'm alright, thank you. Thank you oh. very much for asking. How are yourself? How is yourself, even? How, how is yourself? How are you? There you go. There's multiple ways of asking. <laughs> um, okay, so our, our journey through ladder matches concludes today. We are looking back at an AEW pay-per-view for the first time. Much experience of watching AEW so far, Chris? No, only only a couple of matches I've dipped in and out. Obviously, I've seen some of the, the weekly stuff they've been doing on ITV4, but I've not caught a full pay-per-view from them yet. But then again, they're only five, four or five deep at this point. The pay- specifically, the pay-per-view that we're going back to here is All Out 2019. Um, the most recent one has sort of split the world um, with John Moxley and Kenny Omega in one of the most extreme matches I've seen in a hell of a long time. Have you seen the highlights, the clips of that? No, but I'm now going to have to go and seek it out. You will indeed. Um, one particular one, so there's a suplex onto some uh, a barbed wire bed, basically. It is, it's a brutal match, and people aren't particularly... Uh, so some people are outraged that these things are allowed to happen at, at, in this day and age. Some people are delighted that it's sort of back to the the, the days of, of that happening. We're back in the old hardcore days. Mick Foley getting his ear blown off with a C4. Or getting his ear torn off sorry, on barbed wire. But C4 death, C4 death matches or whatever they are. Yeah. yeah, back in the day. Absolutely. And I think on the... Cody Rose did a sort of diving splash to the outside, banged his head on the entrance ramp, ramp and had a pretty big gash on his head. So AEW seems to be going back to more extreme wrestling than uh, the WWE product is, is offering at the minute. Um, whether that'll be a good thing in the long term, who knows? Well, the, the two drones, them along with Cody and the young butts also owns full, the majority share in Fulham, so... Clearly likes like seeing things go disastrously wrong. <laughs> brutal, Chris. Brutal. <laughs> he obviously likes lots of hedge-related contacts. Mitrovic banging him in in the championship currently. There we go. One for our American listeners. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I've heard really good things about AEW. Um, uh, one of my friends, Scott, particularly, um, is watching it week to week. He um, is buying the pay-per-views, um, which are on ITV in the UK. Um, they seem to be getting really good reviews all the time. Um, the one that we're specifically looking back on, as I mentioned, is All Out 2019. It's in August 2019. Um, incidentally, the, it was on on the same night as NXT TakeOver Cardiff. Um, it was also a few weeks after SummerSlam. It was the SummerSlam where we had the Goldberg squash of Ziggler in less than two minutes. Um, we had Shane McMahon featuring in a huge storyline. And we had Brock Lesnar in the main event. It's unsurprising why people are looking for alternatives to WWE at the moment, I suppose. Yeah, true. Although at least NXT guys are stepping up their game with AEW. Chomping at the uh, going head-to-head on the Wednesday night viewership. Yeah, definitely. Um head-to-head every single Wednesday. Um, our, our podcast is uh, scheduled to come out before those tapings uh, on a Wednesday night, so you can check the results of NXT, check the results of AEW, then listen to the podcast so you can hear thoughts about what happened years and years ago after you've caught up with the, the modern-day stuff. There we go. Cheeky little plug, nice and early. Um, so I mentioned around the fact that the SummerSlam was a few weeks before... Uh, sorry. 
this was a few weeks after SummerSlam. Um, so the buy rates, uh, I thought, would be quite interesting to check up on. Turns out you can't really glean anything from the buy rates from comparing WWE to AEW at the minute. So there was about 100,000 that bought um, All Out 2019 compared with WWE's 19,600. But that doesn't include how many people have watched it through the network. That's the thing. The network figures are always going to distort. Same way we've got AEW and NXT going head-to-head. You can't glean anything from those figures because even when AEW are tilting the balance, I imagine a lot of people are just watching AEW and then catching up on NXT through the network. The latest figures I've found for the network, there's 2 million subscribers. Um, I couldn't find anything, um, any figures for how many people had watched SummerSlam. Difficult to compare. Um, I, I guess it's a personal preference. Um, uh, there's not really any sort of tangible measures at, at the minute. Uh, we should be grateful that we're living in a world where we've got NXT, AEW, and still we're on SmackDown while plodding along. They can still step it up on occasion. Yeah, it's a it's a golden age for wrestling. It's golden age for wrestling again. I know I said in the previous episode the early 2000s were the best age ever for WWF, and I stand by that. But at least now we've got another age where. People who want to get into wrestling are spoilt for choice on what they watch. Well, the main thing with the early 2000s, they were forced to fit into that being the best period because there was genuine competition with WCW. Hopefully, AEW being genuine competition will force WWE to improve their, their product and we'll all be better off for it, whether you want to pick sides or you want to watch both or... Okay, so we'll talk about the the match itself from All Out 2019. So it's the Lucha Bros, uh, Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix versus the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson. I'm going to mention the uh, individual competitor's name, even if the commentators almost refuse to constantly throughout this match. Uh, As someone that hasn't watched much AEW, I found it confusing, not confusing, but I found it difficult to know which individual member of each team was um, doing each move or being hit with individual spots. I don't, do you, did you find the same thing? Yeah, I, I did. I, so I got to a point where I gave, I gave up trying to work out who was, who was attacking who at some points. Yeah. Just cause, so at points I would just say the Lucha brothers. And, That's exactly my note. And the, so, yeah. and the young, and the young, and one of the young books. Young book. <laughs> yeah. The, the soul book. The soul book has been taken down by the Lucha brother. Yeah. Um, so this one is called Escalera. Sorry, my Spanish is brilliant, as you can probably tell from this. But Escalera de la Mata, or Death Ladder. There we go. Our first Spanish ladder match, and our first death. Um, not not our first death, we've, unfortunately. We've, 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 no, we've, we've we've covered that. Let's Good. we won't get back. We won't dredge those dredge those lakes. That gulp. Um, okay, so before the match, um, I obviously, I, as I said, I hadn't seen anything, but I'd heard the Young Bucks are incredible. Um, a lot of people talk them up as the the best um, tag team in the world. So I was expecting a lot of high-flying stuff here, similar to the sort of stuff that we covered in our triangle ladder match um, with the Dudleys, Hardys, and Edge and Christian. I assume you th- thought we were going to get a similar sort yeah, of, like, exactly. style of action. Especially any, any match where you put Lucha style in. You're going to get that high-flying style anyway, because that's what they do. But to put them in a ladder match, you're guaranteed some great high spots. And this match did not disappoint in any way. Absolutely not. Um, so before, um, so I cut 
into this match slightly early, so I saw the end of uh, Cody Rhodes' match. Um, but before it goes into the promo package, just hearing JR, it's so reassuring. It's like a, a, a warm blanket around a, a wrestling fan. Um, so I was really looking forward to it. He said that he's looking forward to it more than any other ladder match he's called. Um, the other other commentator says, I'm going to have to say it again, Escalera de la Merta. And JR says, "See." Sí. <laughs> there you go. He's, he knows he's, Spanish. He's commit, <laughs> committed. Um, es, Escalera de la Merta. The Puerto Rican colour commentary. Colour commentary, yeah, yeah. So we then go into the um, sort of promo package to build up the match itself. Um, the Young Bucks talk about how their objective is to give the best tag team division in the world. I'm not a massive fan of the goal. Surely the goal should be them being the best tag team in the world, rather. It sort of breaks kayfabe a bit to say we're going to put on a good match, if you see what I mean. That's the problem with running the company, I suppose, in the same way that surely surely Cody's ultimate aim is to win the championship. So if you run any storyline other than him going for that gold, it doesn't make any sense. No. Just touching on Cody um, in AEW, he loves to um, have entrances where he's basically knocking Triple H. So he had the throne where he smashed it with a sledgehammer. He is effectively AEW's Triple H. He books himself in title matches. He gives himself glorious entrances every um, every single pay-per-view. Just seems a little hypocritical. Um, I know he's working week to week, but I d- lo- it doesn't sit quite right with and me. And lost to Jericho in the, in, in the inaugural championship match. Yeah. And then Jericho, as, as we've talked about Triple previously. Triple H would have gone for 45 minutes more than that. <laughs> exactly right. Um, okay, back to the promo package then. So the Lucha Bros uh, challenge the um, Young Bucks to a ladder match. The Young Bucks, uh, the story is that they've been in the best They've been the best team in the world for five to ten years and they were the ones that brought ladders in. Not quite sure that's necessarily true. Um, the first ladder match, obviously, as we've touched on, was way back in the 90s. Um, I don't, I didn't hear much about Young Bucks ladder matches in the early 2000s. I do remember a certain triangle ladder match where, again, go back and listen to the episode. Um, and I suppose this links us nicely to our version one, Matt Hardy, fact of the week. So, Matt Hardy's bedtime is 4am. That was your version one fact of the week. Yeah, so I'm not sure of the claim that they were the ones that brought ladders in. Um, I'm sure they are innovative with ladders at this point. but Maybe they just mean they brought ladders into the arena. (laughs) They were groupies or roadies. Not groupies, roadies. Yeah, maybe they just just claim everything. Maybe they just say... Yeah, we're the first. We're the first guys to bring in ropes. <laughs> we bring in the announce table. Like, <laughs> yeah. We bring in the the chairs, the everything, the maybe lighting. The question, maybe it's just a badly worded question. <laughs> um, we also get Lucha Brothers talking about their catchphrase, which uh, I looked up is "No fear" in Spanish. Um, you then get quite a cringy moment where um, the young books say, "You talk about having no fear," and then they say, "No balls" in Spanish. And um, I think it's Nick Jackson goes on to say, well, I've got big balls. Do you? I think they're trying to make it a little bit cringy and a bit funny, but it just didn't really work for me. 
No, there's. I don't. I don't need any wrestler talking about the size of his or anyone else's balls. No. We've had enough of that with Vince's grapefruits. So we don't need anyone else. So all in all, I thought it was a really decent <laughs> promo package. Um, the story f- fairly self-explanatory. There's the two best teams in the world. Who is the actual best? Okay, so then we go to the entrances. Lucha Bros come in as the champions. We get Pyro. I miss Pyro so much in WWE. It's coming it makes back. such a difference. <laughs> well, it comes back for like Saudi Arabian shows. It comes back for WrestleMania, but I don't think we're going to get it week to week. We get Justin Roberts as the ring announcer. Um, I'll be honest, I didn't realise that he'd gone across to AEW. Um, you're a man far more active in the Twitter world than I, so maybe you haven't seen no, this. No, I... I... Although I think the problem is, unless it is Mean Gene doing the intro or the think, no one cares in no. any way, shape or form who's doing the ring announcements. To be fair, I only noticed it when JR, uh, so Justin Roberts is bringing out the Lucha Bros and JR talks about how he's a R-rolling son of a gun. He loves to roll his R's. <laughs> Does love to roll his R's. Uh, we then get the Young Bucks who come out with um, paper versions of Young Buck Money uh, quite good it looks, it looks great and let's let's talk about the best thing about the entry the Young Bucks luchador style masks that they wear when they come out they look absolutely brilliant they do clearly uh, in, almost a in, cultural insult uh, to, to build it up more they go up the ladder to do their pose which I guess is supposed to be stags with them doing a muscular pose essentially go, go and go at this point pause the podcast Go and Google Young Bucks pose. Come back to us. We'll still be waiting and we'll carry on. Are you ready now? Yeah, come on. Um, okay, so we get JR explaining the rules. He says they're pretty damn simple. Uh, the other commentator talks about how one of the best tag matches he's ever seen has come from a ladder match. Doesn't specify which one. Um, the commentary team also talk about how they've met five times in 2019, these two. The Bucks are 3-2 up at the moment. Um have them in the ring. The crowd are very hot for this. We get alternate chants for, for both teams. Um, then we get a no fear, no balls chant, which again, didn't really do much for me. Um, until one of the Young Bucks spits in the face of one of his opponents, which classy. is... Classy. Yeah, it's a, it's a classy move. It's Neither team are particularly heelish apart from that action, I would say. Yeah, they're both they're both over with the crowd. They're, I think they are very much both faces. The Young Bucks... They get away with that kind of attitude in the same way that DX did back in the day. Yeah, and Lucha Doors, for their high fan, I think are the clear, the more fan-friendly, family-friendly face team in this. Yeah, fair enough. So into the action itself, we get an early attempt at the Bucks finisher, which is the Undertaker, which is a spike tombstone. It's uh, blocked, but it's a hell of a finisher. We the, talked the about... The Indie Taker. The, sorry, the Indie Taker. Yeah, exactly. Um... So there's been some really good tag team finishes through the years. My favourite up until seeing this was probably the 3D, but it's brilliant. A spike tombstone. No, probably the most dangerous move you could <laughs> imagine, but yeah, I, I liked it. I I'm, the, I'm bloodthirsty. Yeah, so I think I remember the Warlords used to have us. <laughs> I'm throwing in the throwing in the old school references that for anyone who anyone who grew up in wrestling in the 80s, the Warlords used to be very much like the Viking Raiders now. Steiners had some good ones, so did the Legion of Doom. Um, but they didn't have ladder matches, so we can't talk about them yet. They're not as good. Not as good. Yeah, so we'll go through some of the spots. Just 
the amount of spots in this match, there is no way we're going to possibly be able to cover every single one. My notepad is entirely taken up with spots from this match. I was worried about... I had to pause it quite a few times to go back and watch a spot that I'd missed while I was writing the next next bit of action that had happened. So one thing that did make me laugh, we get a running powerbomb from the Lucha Bros into what looks like um, they're going for the sort of Dudley's what's up pose, but instead of uh, Devon diving off and headbutting, we get the, the stamp um, in, instead of the, the headbutt. Um, no mistaking where he was aiming No mistake, no where mistake whatsoever. Um, do you want to take, take us through some of the spots then, Chris? Yeah, I, I certainly can do. I, my, my exhaustive list which I do have here in front of me. I'm going to tick off the ones that I uh, I have on mine yeah, and then we'll, play, gonna, we'll cross-check we'll and cross, cross-reference. We're going, to play, we're going to play spot bingo from this this particular match. So, my particular highlights, the two RKO-style moves from the ladder, the, the crossbody and then the swanton from the top of the ladder to the outside. Yep. I'm going to call it. I'm going to call it a swanton because it was. They didn't get the full rotation through there, but it's not. It doesn't come off out backwards, so it's definitely not a moonsault. And then also the double spear through the table. You mentioned about the um, cutters off the ladder. I did. I wasn't a massive fan of the both teams having one man from either side and them having sort of matching offense going on at the same time. Again, I feel like it sort of breaks kayfabe and it looks too choreographed. I I don't. Do you know I what I mean? See, yeah, I can see completely where you're coming from with it. But in the with the as you say with the interview before the match and then wanting to build the stronger time tag team division, it was looking like they were cons- they had that theme of not just one up in each other, but both ma- they were matching each other throughout the match. Fair enough. So I can see both I can see both points of view where you'd think, yeah, it does seem a little bit too telegraphed telegraphed to uh, have one member of each team get taken out in that way. Let's say you can also look at they're they're matching each other with these high standards they've got in this tag team match. Yeah, definitely. So some other spots that I've got. Um so inside the ring, Matt Jackson hits four Northern Lights suplexes consecutively. Talked about it on a previous episode. I love the Brock Lesnar German suplexes that were previously Benoit's and, and Angles. Um the last one of them lands on on the ladder, which is set up as a ramp in the corner. Really liked that. Um then get a springboard hurricanrana off the top, um, in, off the turnbuckle into a ladder. Huge AEW chance um, at that point. Um, reminding me so much of watching ECW pay-per-views back in the day where you'd get big ECW chance after a spot like that. Um, we get so many springboards as well from the Lucha Bros. And then I, I've written down too much action. I'm going to miss some here. <laughs> yeah. oh, the bit that is is my... It's possibly my favourite, although it it mostly shouldn't be. But when are the young when young young bucks nearly killed himself going off the ladder. He goes top of the ladder, one of the luchadors goes for the press push on the ladder to tip him out of the ring, and he goes to jump, only didn't get distance quite right and tra- catches his top rope foot on the top rope as he goes down. Was that when there was the two tables set up and he That's only goes when the through two ta- the first the two one? Tables yeah, set yeah. on the outside. So when you see him go, you see him. Misjudge the distance, tangle his foot on the top rope on the way down. So instead of crashing through both of them, he crashes head first through the first table. It's a, a sore-looking spot. Yeah, there's a lot of dives to the outside. Um, my favourite spot from the whole match, 
Um, we get a Canadian destroyer off the top of a ladder through a table. It was ridiculous. There is no way of training yourself to do that. It's un- unbelievably dangerous and it looks brilliant. It gets holy shit chance and this is awesome chance. I comple- it. it completely deserved it from my point of view. That was a big highlight. Um, we get more tandem opposition offense. So the two teams doing the same thing at the same time. Um as one brother from each team uh, climbs a ladder on the outside with the um, other member of the team prone on the table. Again, this is where some sort of commentary saying uh, commentary team saying which one was which would have been helpful. But um, yeah, we get them mouthing off from each other from the opposite side of the rings. We get the Lucha uh, brother doing Eddie Guerrero tribute with the, um, the, shake. the shake, which is great. Um and then they do splashes. I thought they were going to do frog splashes. Uh, I rewound it. It wasn't. They were just normal splashes as opposed to frog splashes. But um, they very much just falling forwards rather than any. Yeah, any, there was no any pump. kind of height. There was no pump. Uh, that gets huge. Uh, Eddie chance. Um, a good moment again. Um, at this point, I'd written that I'd got way more notes than I had for any other match. Um, and <laughs> I noticed at this point that the microphones around the ring were probably slightly too high because I heard one of the people in the crowd <laughs> shout, is the table okay? <laughs> Which I quite enjoyed. Um, we got a lot of super kicks, a lot of chops, a lot of sore-looking kicks and punches. Um, the young One of the young books has uh, the Lucha brother in um, the sharpshooter and the other one comes and puts the crossface in, the crippler crossface. The crowd, um, they seem quite a smart wrestling crowd as they, they boo for the when the crossface comes in. Um, Who's in Chicago? You're going to get that kind of crowd. Yeah, exactly. We then get um, another setup. For, uh, sorry, a setup for another indie taker. This time off the ladders. Um, so basically, set him up for the tombstone. But the um, Nick Jackson could get the titles if he wanted to. But they decided to hover and go for the the big move instead. Um, gives the Lucha Brothers enough time so that we get a, a super kick. And then I've written, so the other one takes just the tombstone pile driver. Just the tombstone. <laughs> just the tombstone. Nick Jackson then is pushed from the ladder out of the ring through a table, and this is the spot that you were talking about. Um, when he nearly kills himself. <laughs> Say again? <laughs> nearly kills himself. Nearly killed himself. It reminded me a lot of uh, Bubba Ray Dudley in the TLC one, where we, he goes through, it's almost the same spot, but he has two tables stacked on top of two tables, yes. which is probably a much safer way of doing it. Uh, we then get Matt and Matt Jackson and one of the Lucha Brothers again. Sorry, I'm not sure which one. Um, climbing the ladder. Uh, Matt Jackson pulls off, unmasks, which the crowd are fuming about. The the biggest booze I've heard for a long time. And the commentators talk up about how that's the most vile thing you can do to Luch- a Lucha. And the Lucha Brother goes down like he's been shot. He I- does, like covering his face as if... Um, it's a bit like when Kane refused to take his mask off for the 2000s. But then, then he looked, he had a normal face and slightly shaved head. Yeah. There's then a ladder bridge set up between the barricade and the apron. The Lucha Brothers pick up Matt Jackson into what sort of looks like it's going to be a pedigree to start with. I think but... it's, okay, I, I looked at, I went back to rewatch it because I wrote down originally a pedigree, a spike pedigree. But when he picks him up, I think he's got his hands around it. I think it's a spike more of a spike pile driver. So than it's, a... he, it's sort of a spike pile, pile driver, but he pins his arms back as if it's like, like you would for a pedigree. Yeah. So yeah, spike pile driver is probably the 
um, the, the best way of describing that. Um, and that's onto the ladder. Um, the commentary team talk about how they thought this was personal before because this is just off the back of the, the demasking. Um, they roll back into the ring and that's when they, they win. Um, I've written, what a match. 30 minutes from promo to bell, but it absolutely flew by and there's so much action. There was a lot of action. Speaking about the commentary team as well, I've got a, a couple, of, just a couple of observations. JR is still hawking barbecue sauce, as he felt the need to mention. This is this is as good as barbecue sauce. JR, come on, I don't know what AEW are paying for you. you don't need to be whoring yourself out for your barbecue sauce anymore. The crowd are eating this up like good barbecue sauce. Then we get a bit of barbecue banter about um, you get mustard, mustard for the barbecue. Right, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, and then don't say that we don't highlight all the all the, all the really important, important stuff. Exactly. Um, yeah. Anything you want to mention about this match uh, before we move into what happens afterwards? No, I've got one more commentary aside though that I really did appreciate. That the amount of tables they use would probably be enough to put Home Depot out of business. Okay, I have some problems. Some problems with that line. One, if you if you're using a lot of tables, you're going to go to Home Depot and buy them. You're not going to put them out of business. You're going to help. You're going to be your, your help. Your help in their business. Your help in their business. So my problem is actually only a one problem, but it's such a problem. I'm counting it as You're two. You're counting it as two. Don't speak if you don't. A very good rule for our podcast. If you don't, <laughs> if what you're going to what you're going to say is stupid, then just be quiet. And now we'll follow ninety minutes of silence before the end of this part. Should help you to get to sleep, I suppose. If we if let's just make some white noise through the microphone or something. <laughs> I also think there wasn't. Excuse me. <laughs> I also think there wasn't that many. Um, there wasn't that many tables, was there? Like seven? No, because it's a ladder match, yeah. so that's quite a lot. But yeah, so I think we get we get two. We get two the spears. We get two splashes. spears, two splashes, and that when we kill the push off the outside. Yeah. Oh, there's so, the one in the Canadian Destroyer through so, the table as well. So six, six table slots. Yeah. Okay, so after the match, two masked men enter the ring. Um, uh, they push off the Lucha, they push the Lucha Brothers off the ladder and start kicking them. Um, then Nick Jackson rolls into the ring. They do a sort of powerbomb flip net breaker, um, which looks very, very cool. Uh, they unmask themselves and it's Santana and Ortiz, who I'll be honest, I had no idea who Bequ- they were. But us. The Quakers, yes. something along, something along those lines. Don't watch enough indie stuff to, but uh, the the reaction of the crowd told it was told me it was a big deal, even though I didn't really know who they were. They had um, then got a Puerto Rico flag and hoisted it above their heads. Um, we then get the replays of up all the spots through the match, which could have lasted forever, to be honest. <laughs> Pretty much so runs the length of the match. So long, in fact, that the Lucha Bro- Brothers have managed to recover from their post-match beatdown and they start celebrating uh, in the ring. So I, I didn't particularly like that because they should have sold the, the beatdown beat instead of... But yeah, that that's the end of the of the um, the match and the, the segment afterwards, so... I think it would have been easy if it had been the main event. You would have sold the beat down, but I think the fact that it was just but they could have gone to a um, backstage segment or something. So celebrate for the crowd, but maybe not for the TV. But I don't know. We're not we're not booking AEW. No, for some for some reason. Who knows? Till, till they come. Maybe it's because we don't know who any of their wrestlers are. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you, yeah, you Mexican dude, and you Puerto Rican guy. You're uh, you're in this next one. <laughs> 
Uh, okay, we'll move in, into our overall thoughts on the match then. So, so there were so many high spots. As we've probably talked about more about the spots in this match than the sort of background, the story, and it's not just because we don't watch at currently AEW to week to week. It's just because there was so much action, and we could talk about this one for a, a long, long time. Um, what were your thoughts then, Chris? I think, as I was saying about not talking around around the story of the match and the history between them. I think that's part of the problem with it. The fact is, we know that the Young Bucks are three and two on the Lucha Brothers. We know that they're just fighting to be because they want they're showing the best tag team division and they want to be the best in that division. But we don't have a big we don't have a big feud. We don't have a big rivalry apart from just wanting to be the best, which takes you out of it somewhat. It's hard to get that invested. In yeah, it. I know what you mean. Um, so maybe the point is. So, yeah, we talked about how we didn't really know one brother from the other, but they mentioned before they want to give the best tag team division, and maybe that's the point. It's not about who the individual is, so it can be sort of team member A and B because it's about being the tag team. But for me, like my favourite tag team ever are the Dudleys, and you, they're very distinct. <laughs> yes, yes, they are. <laughs> but I don't just mean, obviously, their, their race, but their styles and... Um, everything is uh, about them is individual. Well, yeah, the Steiner brothers, Steiner brothers are exactly the same. Rick was always, always the brawler with Scotty being uh, the high flyer. Yeah. How, how quickly, t- quickly times changed. Yeah. <laughs> Goes on to be quite a, a jacked human being. Is this a good time Free, to mention the Freakzilla. TNA? <laughs> the Freakzilla. Is this a good time to mention his TNA maths promo or shall we move on from no, that? No, maybe if we, maybe if we wander into worst ideas ever. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, despite there being no nostalgia for me and having very little skin in the game in terms of knowing the teams and the individuals, I absolutely loved it. Um, I am much more likely, having seen a full AW match, to watch it. Um, And as I mentioned, in the UK, we can do that week to week. It's now on ITV, so you don't even have to have Sky. You don't need to subscribe to the network or anything, um, for, for now at least. Um, okay, let's go star ratings then. Chris, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'm happy to. I'm giving this four stars. Yes, the spots were great, and there was they were absolutely non-stop. I had the same issue as you. Every time I looked down the notes, I think I'd missed another one, so constantly rewinding on the program. But as I say, they, the match felt like a series of spots rather than a continuous flow, and with me not being invested in what their rivalry was, while it was great, I can't give it a perfect five. Okay, I've gone slightly higher. I've gone four and a half stars. Um, I would have given it five just for the match, but for me, wrestling's not just about a match. It needs um, cause, because I, there was no context to the story for me. If I'd have watched it as an AEW fan, I'm sure I would have given it five stars, uh, which leads me nicely on to something that really annoyed me. Um, so Dave Meltzer um, with his ratings. One to five star, sometimes yep. gives minus. What do you think his rating for this match was? Three. Five and a quarter stars. How can you give more than five stars on a five fucking star rating scale? Absolutely infuriated me. I was so annoyed by it. <laughs> right, um, Dave, if, you, if you're listening. Stick to five stars. Like, if you're on, say, Amazon and you get a good product and it's a five, you, you can't give it six star rating. It's five, it's limited to five stars. Just because you've gone um, liberal with your five star reviews of matches doesn't mean that you've got space to go above your, your 
spe- um, self-specified cap. That's the, the problem. Is he's gone? He's gone. He shot his bolt too early. He's gone five stars for matches that shouldn't have been five stars. Yeah. And then he's he found himself with nowhere to go. What he so should have done? What was... he had to do? He's gone one louder. He's turned it up to eleven. Turned it up to eleven. Uh, what he should have done was start with a, a ten, uh, a one to ten rating. He'd have been sorted then. Or if he'd started watching wrestling back in the nineties and then just got around to reviewing them now, yeah. he'd be able to look back over twenty years of wrestling history and judge them in context. Maybe he should go back through them, mate, and redo his entire database based on that. I'm sure he's got the time for it. <laughs> so we're now anyone keeping score. We're now waiting for Dave Meltzer and Mark Calloway to get in touch with us for previous questions asked that haven't been answered. Yeah. So the. Uh, this was the best-rated AEW match of the year. Um, it was the eighth overall uh, for 2019. Um, the seven above it, there was five um, New Japan Pro Wrestling matches. There was two NXT. Interestingly, Walter versus Tyler Bate that was on the same night um, in the TakeOver in Cardiff was also a five and a quarter-star match. Um, I've not seen that, he's so maybe mad. it's worth... He's gone crazy. This is the 19th best match ever, so clearly it isn't a new thing that he's gone above his five stars. Stick to five stars. We're going to stick to five stars throughout. If you get five stars, that's the highest you can go. Well done. Yeah. You, just, you can't score more than 100% on an exam. I really need to get over <laughs> this. <laughs> your, your complete infuriation on this is, is slightly scary. Yeah. And I'm I'm worried that we will get ten seasons down the line, and we will still be on this issue. Okay, so um, before I explode, we'll move on to talking about what we're going to talk about next time. So I talked about how this was going to be the last ladder, ma- ladder match that we will cover as part of the series. So our next episode is going to be a look back at the ladder matches that we've gone through. We're going to pick some of our favourites. We're going to talk about some of the ones that we didn't cover. Our closing thoughts on ladder matches. If you would like to give us any of your thoughts, maybe suggest some that we've missed out on. If you disagree with our star ratings, um, if you agree with Dave Meltzer and his crazy way of rating matches, then get in touch with us. Follow us at Select Match Pods. Um, any closing any closing remarks then, Chris? Before we uh, no, I'm, I'm going to leave the room before you before you start throw and things and down around. Dave Meltzer. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you very much, Chris, as always. And thank you for listening. Speak to you soon.